Welcome back to Aspire to Lead and Happy New Year. This will be the last episode of 2023 and I have my great friend Evan Rob with me as we're going to be talking about his experience of transitioning from being a public school principal to retiring to going into headmaster of a private school and I can't wait to dive into his shift to a new community, new student body, and new traditions. And so before we get to that episode, I just want to let you know that I'm super excited about the new year, 2024. I think it'll be the best year for this podcast, but I can't do it alone. And I just want to thank you so much for those who are sharing out the podcast via social media, sharing it with your colleagues, your friends, your family members, and then also for those who are posting a rating or review on your podcast platform. Of course, this last year, I've now started to upload the videos on YouTube. So if you haven't had a chance, jump on YouTube on Joshua Stamper or the Teach Better team. Push that subscribe button. Obviously, the more subscribers, the the better it is for the channel, for the podcast, and for the sponsors. And uh, I'm just so fortunate for those who have joined each week to listen to these phenomenal guests and try to gain a little bit of insight into their leadership journey. With that being said, let's jump into the conversation with the phenomenal Evan Rob as we're going to be getting the behind the scenes and the differences between private and public school leadership. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire Leaders, I am so encouraged by the person that I'm on screen with right now. He is someone that I constantly am seeking wisdom from, and I've probably had the pleasure, I think, Evan, to have you on every year for like the last four or five years. I am so thankful for our connection and the relationship that's been built over this time, and I just appreciate your time and joining me again as we're jumping into the new year of 2024. Well, Josh, always appreciate having any connection with you and, and Aspire to Lead and, and this podcast and, of course, the Teach Better team also. Uh, and it, it is, I think back, we've been connected for quite some time. You know, we met through Twitter and we've never physically met before, uh, but we've had just great connections between this medium and Voxer and other ways that we communicate over time. So I appreciate our connection and appreciate the opportunity to uh, have a conversation today. Yeah. And I want to thank the listeners and those who are viewing on YouTube. I appreciate also what you all are doing in education, but then also taking some time, especially during this holiday season to join myself and Evan, as we are going to be talking a lot about the differences between public and private school leadership, the shift to a new school building, the culture, the people, and then also as a new leader, how you're going to make changes. And Evan, I have been a huge fan of you, your work. You're obviously an author, a speaker, an administrator, doing some phenomenal things. So for those who may not have been able to join us for our previous conversations, will you just share a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, absolutely, Josh. And again, thank you. Uh, I began my career in public education like many of your listeners did and had opportunities to teach middle school, teaching English, teaching history, being a team leader, being a department chair, uh, and then after I believe six or seven years in teaching, an opportunity came for me to go into administration mm -hmm. uh, and served as assistant principal, um, opened up a junior high school that had about 1,200 kids in it uh, and was there for about seven years, 
Um, and then um, 18 years, I believe, in my last principal position, uh, not too far from my home, middle school, grades six to eight, a smaller school with about 575 kids in it. And uh, along the way with my administrative career, I had an opportunity to write a few books. I think I've written five now. Uh, yeah. Opportunities to do some speaking locally and across the country and even some internationally, which has been a lot of fun just to connect with, with educators. June 2022, I retired from my public school position as principal. Uh, in Virginia, and this may be true for many of your listeners, if you have 30 years into the state retirement system, it, it becomes uh, hard to argue not retiring out of that system, yep. uh, and then had an opportunity to work in private education, which we can talk about today. Uh, the one interesting thing I will say is that the school that I am ahead in for private school is the same school that I actually went to. So I am working in a school right now that I attended from first until eighth grade. Uh, and I'll just be really clear with the years. It was first grade starting in 1973 and eighth grade uh, in 1980. So maintain connections with that school, but oddly, you know, just had an opportunity to come back to it. So I've circled back and in private ed right now. And I guess the other interesting thing is my public school principal position, my most recent one, I actually started my teaching career in that school, went away and came back to that school. So I have this odd pattern of going away and end up, you know, because of whatever fortuitous thing, uh, circling back and, and there I always end back up. So <laughs> they just can't get rid of you, Evan. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so I want to talk about the new experience because me and you, you know, have had several conversations uh, offline as far as like just, you know, your, your experience from being in public edu education for so long and now making that shift to the private sector of, of education. And I would just love for you to talk about just the differences between those experiences, because I know a lot of folks that I've had conversations, especially during the summer was like, Hey, I'm looking to do something different. I've never experienced private school before, but that's something that might be of interest and trying to kind of navigate those waters. So I would love for you just to share as far as your leader leadership experience, some of the major differences that you have seen so far. Okay. I'll unpack that one a little bit, but I don't want to talk too, too long so we can get some more questions back and back and forth going. Yeah, I would say that it is a significant difference and a difference that I absolutely underestimated. A good difference, you know, and yeah. it's been an enjoyable ride, but it has been significantly different. Uh, so let me just kind of get on the surface and then we can dive a little bit deeper into it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I want to make this in a more general way also for any of your listeners that are thinking about, you know, perhaps retiring or leaving public ed, moving into private ed on on the front, I would say it's a good move. Generally, I would encourage it, but I think I can share a few tips that that make that show some of the differences. So, really, the one of the main differences that I found between private and public is you know, people pay money to go into private ed, and uh, sometimes they pay significant money, either because of tuition or because of annual giving that their family may give to the school. And with that comes an expectation of service that and accessibility that is far different than in public ed. So you know, in public ed as a principal, it was not that easy just to have immediate access to me. Uh, there were typically some layers, but private school is a lot flatter. So access is a lot higher. So um, parents mm -hmm. expect to have that access and, uh, and, and it's good. Most of the time it's good. And some of the times it, it can be certainly challenging. 
in public ed, my day was very occupied with some things that I was frankly happy to, to move on from. A lot of contentious issues around special education, yeah. around discipline, around uh, facilities management, around staffing. And, and in my part of the country, uh, where my, pre my previous school was located, it was near the DC metropolitan area. So the salaries, you know, if someone went 20, you know, about 30 to 40 miles down the road, could be 30 to 50% more. Mm -hmm. So we started a churn where I live over the past decade where we would get really, really great young teachers in. Uh, they, would, they would grow, they'd get quality PD from us, but you know, they have a bottom line. They have college loans to pay. Yeah. Uh, the housing market is really expensive where I live. You know, you can relate to that uh, also. And so there were a lot of factors that were driving younger teachers away and you know had started to lose this continuity of having a strong defined culture in the building people are leaving trying to get new people in uh, administratively and i you know i would always get this thing from some central office people that well everyone's replaceable you can replace and i found that to be just categorically not true yeah uh, you know really good teachers are hard to find and um, when they move on it's a, it's a big blow for a school and for a local community now flipping that back to private school in private school, I found much, much less turnover than in public ed. And part of that is teachers don't need to have the same same level of state certification to work in private ed that yep. they do in public ed. So I could have people that work on my team who have a college degree, but they have no formal training in, in education. Uh, that can be okay, but just to be really frank, and I want to be frank in your podcast, generally, yep. I think it's probably not. I, you know, I think there's a lot of value in going through a good teacher preparation program. There's value in student teaching. There's value in having master's degrees in curriculum and education. And some of that is missing from um, my experience with private ed. And I can really only speak uh, about mine. Uh, I would say another difference is in public ed, you know, I would have classrooms that were getting bigger and bigger every year uh, and could easily have classrooms that had 30 or more students in them. But in the private school world, Josh, 12 to 16 is pretty much the pocket that uh, the class sizes are in. Uh, and typically when they get over 16, teachers start, they get really, they think it's big, a big yeah. number. And I always want to be respectful for that. And part of my position, my leadership position is to do that and to understand and understand where people are. But you know, my perspective from the public school side is, wow, that's a really small number. It's, it's much different. Now, I think the other piece that I'd want to share that has been something that, that really stuck out to me in my leadership capacity is my experience in private ed is some of the metrics that public ed can use to gauge and, and understand the effectiveness of an instructional program don't exist. I'll give you a simple example. Most states across America have some sort of uh, state standard test that kids take. Texas, do you also, did Texas still do the Dibbles? Or, yeah, yeah they're, they're on the, just the star test for Texas. Okay. Virginia does this, um, the SOLs, the Standards of Learning Assessments. This is basically a content-specific test uh, that kids take starting in third grade, going up into high school. Different grade levels have more tests than others. But, but either way, it's one metric where you know, someone can see that their instruction is reasonably effective or, you know, or the opposite. Sure. In private ed, those metrics... I don't see them at all. We do some norm-based norm, norm, norm testing. I think ERBs are pretty popular. 
in private schools, but it's not content specific. And, and so because of that, it's hard for people to understand that they might need to improve. So one of the things that I would find in public ed was, you know, if the scores were really weak, it certainly opened up a conversation for uh, looking at data and, and perhaps some reflecting on instructional models. And that could be based off of the state standardized test, but it could be also be based off of in-house you know, quarterly assessments, whatever kind of summative assessments that are coordinated through public schools. And typically they have many and or other assessments that, that they may have. So without that, uh, that has posed some interesting challenges for me that I'll stop on there for a moment to see if you have a question on that. Otherwise I can go, I'm happy to go deeper into that right now. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying is completely understandable. I think a lot of times, you know, even just like the licensure piece that you're talking about, I mean, I know that exists, but that's not the, in the forefront of my mind when I think about being a leader, a campus leader of trying to build your staff out. And mm -hmm. I could see positive and negatives in regards to that. And I love that you're pulling <laughs> the differences that a lot of us probably aren't even thinking about when we're thinking through the transition of going from public to private. So yeah, I would love for you to talk about this. I, uh, eventually, I would love to, you know, kind of shift over to your experience as a brand new leader on a campus mm -hmm. while you're trying to learn about private school too, because, you know, for myself, I've, I've gone to different campuses, different districts, and every campus has been so different. Mm -hmm. But I'm even thinking like, wow, like just the differences between public and private schools so huge. And I felt like I was just like trying to survive, <laughs> not drown, just learning the culture of the school, let alone it being a completely different system. So one of the things that I would say when, when bringing in staff who do not have formal training in, in education, sometimes things that people that are formally trained in, um, the, a leader can take for granted. So differentiating might be a good example. I think yeah. a lot of teachers that you know, have good boots on the ground experience or come through a good uh, preparation programs, you know, understand the role of differentiating in the classroom, they, they may have many or, you know, or at least some strategies on how to do that. What I've often seen is when people don't have any formal experience in education, that's just something that they don't really understand. And where that can be different in private education is uh, when, kids, when kids aren't getting it in private education, this is just a general statement, at times people can believe that the students shouldn't be in the private school. Because, you know, here's the standard. You, If you're not meeting the standard, well, someone in admissions took someone in that didn't sure. meet the standard. Uh, that is very foreign to someone who's been in a leadership position in public education. Surely you know that. You know, public education takes everyone in who yep. lives within the district and at times people who are paying to come to the school from outside of the district. Uh, so the the conversation of, well, the, you know, this particular student doesn't belong here, that I mean, it can happen in public, yeah, but it typically happens with extreme behavior problems Correct. or uh, certain special needs issues that the public school just may not be equipped to handle. But it, my experience is it doesn't happen with a kid that, you know, is a grade or two behind in seventh grade math and they don't know how to do the math. It just didn't happen in my, in my experience. So that is something that can come into the equation within private ed uh, and has, and at times it's been a little challenging for me. You know, how do you uh, get people to think differently? How do you reframe thinking? Uh, how do you provide the PD mm -hmm. that people might need in order to do things differently? Uh, and it is it is different kind of professional development for someone who doesn't have formal training in education. They may need help with some really basic fundamental things. 
basic lesson structure, and they're not ready to go into, you know, hey, I I'd love to see some Socratic method happening, you know, in this history class or in this English class. I mean, they're just not there with that. So it's mm -hmm. focusing on more uh, fundamental kind of instructional models just to kind of get things going in a way that, that's effective and then working on providing PD that helps change people's mindset, you know, and increases their personal efficacy and the efficacy of the school. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So Evan, when did you feel like you were comfortable in the chair? Like, when did you feel like, okay, I have a grasp of what's going on as far as the culture, as far as the procedures, what private school is all about, yeah. uh, learning the community needs? I mean, when did you really feel, okay, I, I feel comfortable with this? Yeah. So we're, we're recording here you know, right before the end of 2023. So it probably took me most of last year to get a lot of that figured out. Sure. And one of the things that that I really had to learn is many private, and this is many, this is not just my experience, many private schools are very rooted in traditions. Yeah. Uh, and they have traditions that that they like to see carried on. They have traditions that alumni look back on fondly. They have traditions that uh, board members want to see carried on. A lot of those traditions are really good. And sometimes, you know, they're not. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes wrapped within the traditions is certain nomenclature that exists within the organization that if you're if you're an outsider you don't even know what it is yeah uh, i'll give you a, your listeners a really simple example in the school that i'm currently in there was a big fire in 1988 that burnt down half of the campus so that doesn't mean a lot to people in 2023 or 2024 uh, sure. but if you're on that campus you'll sometimes hear people refer to the fire but you wouldn't know what it means so one of the things that I did, and this is a, was a really new thing for me, was just starting to build a doc with all of the unique nomenclature and traditions that exist within the organization. And then when new teachers come in, spend time explaining them all to them. Sure. So people don't go through a year sitting in a room where people are, uh, are using words or talking about things that they simply have no, no idea what it is because they're not, they haven't been in the organization for a long time. I found that to be particularly challenging. You know, the other mm -hmm. the other part was easier, but still somewhat challenging. In private ed, don't have as many layers, so I would have a lot more support uh, as a building level principal, multiple counselors, secretaries, right. uh, things of that nature. And private school tends to be more whoever the leader is. You're doing you're wearing a lot of hats, uh, and that took some time management. You know, for me, it was actually a fun challenge. Uh, because I had the opportunity to dig into some things that uh, that I hadn't had a lot of experience with for many, many years. Uh, sure. But it's good. You know, I would say also in private schools, my experience is the schedule changes a lot more than it does in public hmm. because of different events that are going on. Sure. Uh, and that that took a little bit of getting used to and uh, and getting that balanced out and managing that throughout my day. A bit of a challenge. So I'd say a little over a year, probably. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And so you had talked about kind of the the roots of tradition. And I can only imagine when you're assessing for that year that there were some things that you're like, you know what, I, I feel like there's a need here to make a change. And as a brand new building leader to that community, was it difficult to do that? And if so, like, why? 
And then did it take a while before you started making changes? Did you feel like you wanted to like kind of get your, your feet set as far as being the building leader before making some shifts? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. So my experience told me from, you know, my work over many years that my understanding of private ed was very based in tradition. Uh, a lot of uh, your beliefs that things have been done a certain way for a long time, they needed to stay that way. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be very careful about making any kind of significant changes at all uh, during year, year one. So I spent most of the year getting to know people, wanting to understand traditions, uh, asking some questions, but, uh, but definitely not making significant changes. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example, Josh. I remember, I'm going to go way back in time, but back in the mid-1990s, I taught in a middle school that had a traditional seven-period day. And that's how we ended the school year in June of that year, probably, let's say, 93 or 94. Every teacher came back in August after the summer break and found out that we were doing block schedule. And it was basically, well, you know, this is what we're doing. You got to learn it. You got to figure out how to do it. Yep. Uh, if someone did that in private school, they would probably be out of a, a job pretty quick. Um, it would really backfire. And I think one of the reasons is uh, you, know, you want to balance staff feeling empowered versus staff uh, having so much power that if they don't like uh, something that the administrator is doing, that they don't you know, complain to board members or complain to parents and, uh, and start a cycle that could be really detrimental to the person in the leadership position trying to uh, accomplish something. So I would say to anyone who's thinking about going into private ed, uh, I would strongly advise going very, very slowly for the first year, learning the organization, uh, building trust, building relationships, some of those really good fundamental things that exist in leadership, no matter where you work, uh, really anywhere in the world, and taking time before initiating changes and realize that sometimes changes in public ed can be made at the admin level, but in general, in private school, it's probably best uh, that changes have some a higher degree of collaborative elements to them to make sure that everyone's on board so you're, the leader's not putting themselves in the position where uh, where they could be undermined. Yeah. Evan, I, I want to make a shift here because, I mean, obviously what you're talking about is extremely important for anyone that's looking to make a change. And that's both directions, I guess, if you're in private school and thinking about making the shift over to public or public to private, uh, because they are two very different entities. But, uh, you know, as far as the podcast goes, I mean, you are well aware of why it was created. And it was to help those become better leaders every single day. And you have so many amazing resources out there. And I would love for you just to share, if you were to choose one for someone to, to pick up maybe over the holiday season to, to help them in their leadership journey, you know, which which resource would you advise? I, this pod, the, the Aspire podcast is what I advise everyone who I come into contact to uh, to dig into. I, I don't. I've lost count now of how many you have now. Are you over two hundred? <laughs> like two. Oh yeah, like uh, two hundred and sixty-eight, I believe. Yeah. 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 I mean, Aspire Lead is you know whether you planned it initially or it just kind of became that, but you know you have a library where people can access. Uh, some of the most well-known people within the field of education in, in lots of different pockets. So it's not just, uh, it would be a misnomer to say that Aspire to Lead is only about people and talking with people in leadership positions about leadership. Uh, you know, you're covering people who are leading in different kinds of ways within, within education. Uh, so there's something really for everyone to learn. 
So I always encourage that. I also encourage just digging into the whole menu of, um, of Teach Better. Uh, there's a lot of good information uh, available through the Teach Better team and, you know, we encourage people to dive into that. I, I, as recent as a couple of years ago, did a lot of work with the grid method. You know, that's yeah. something that's born out of Teach Better, really helpful yeah. for, uh, you know, getting people to think differently about how to use technology, how to differentiate uh, choice boards, th things of that nature. So I think if you stick with those two pockets, you'll find tons of information. And that's my recommendation. You know, where I get a little hung up is, you know, the, there's so much stuff out there that you can just get information overload and and not and just give up because you don't even know where you want to look. So sure. my advice is just keep it in a tight pocket, start there, uh, and then branch out from there if you're interested. All right. Well, I'm going to say one more since you didn't. What about the 10-minute principle? 10-minute principle. I would always encourage someone to check out that book and several other books that I have. <laughs> and the 10-minute principle focuses on, on leadership. Yeah, and uh, leadership for the building level principal or for people who are aspiring to be in that position. And the book is designed just to have small little tidbits of information uh, that can create uh, reflection or um, give someone some different ideas on, on how they might want to change their dynamic. And part of the focus of that book also is Monday morning tips. So, you know, I'm, I'm all about the esoteric and I like the academic and I like things that are philosophical, but I, I also like things that give me an idea of something I can do immediately that, that may impact a positive change. So that yeah. book has some of that information in there. Such an amazing resource. I have it on my bookshelf. I don't know if you can see it in the background, but uh, Evan Rob, you do a phenomenal job. And that's a, a resource that has helped me in my own leadership journey. So um, I would highly recommend that. But Evan, you had talked about advice, and that's one of the components that I want this podcast to be about is those action steps, right? It's it's great that folks are listening and they're consuming this wonderful information from you, but I also want them to to act um, after listening to the podcast. So if, if you would recommend something for them to do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one of the things is I always think it's really valuable to uh, consume a lot of information and then start using that information to figure out you know, where your alignment is. You'll never become a really effective leader if you say, hey, I want to lead just like this person. I'm going to just listen to this person's podcast, read this person's books, and that's the person I want to be. Uh, so my advice with, with that and, and other things is let that information help you figure out who you are and what's right for you as a leader. And, and as you head, as leaders head into more challenging situations. And remember, Josh, you and I both know this, that leadership is not tested when everything is great. I mean, leadership is going to test it when things get a little bit bumpy. But some of the elements that one will find consistently intertwined throughout anyone's leadership conversations are always good to come back to. Build trust. Work on building relationships. Be a communicator. Be a collaborator. Really uh, find ways to enhance the professional development of your team. Work on building a team. Be present. Uh, be conversational with people. You know, all of those elements, they work. You know, I've listened to, I haven't listened to every single one of your podcasts, because I'll be honest with that, but many, many, many. And some of those words that I just spoke to, they thematically intertwine from the many, many people that, that you've spoken to. So... Uh, so I recommend this journey of learning, growing, figuring out who you are, not trying to be someone else, but using that information to help 
hone and cultivate who you are as a leader and as an individual. Uh, and then remembering the fundamental things that are so important in leadership. Because in leadership, leaders can talk about all of these big things about what you're managing budgets or all this innovative instruction that wants to be brought into, that you want to bring into the building or innovative scheduling, you know, or, or attracting a really great team to you. But none of that, none of that will work if the fundamentals aren't in place. It just won't. I'm sad, Evan, that you said not to be like someone else, because when I grow up, I want to be like Evan Robb. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to have more hair than me. <laughs> I don't know, my friend. <laughs> we we shall see on that one. But with that, Evan, I just appreciate you in so many ways, more than I could say on this podcast. You have been an inspiration in my leadership journey, but not only in education, but as a man. And I just love having you on the podcast so much. I love the connection that we've had. And I want folks to have the same experience that I have and, and connect with you. So how may they do that uh, either on social media or on your website? Thanks, Josh. I have several websites. One is called Rob Communications. The other is the Rob Review blog. The Rob Review blog is focused on some things that we didn't really talk about today, literacy and the role of literacy within schools. I am on Twitter at erobprincipal and can easily be reached there. You can look at my name on LinkedIn or look up the Rob Review on Facebook and find me in those areas. And what I would say, Josh, you know, I love connecting with people. If anyone is listening to this and you're thinking about making a leap from public ed to private ed, contact me. We can set up a, you know, a Google Meet. I'd be happy to go a little bit deeper for anyone that's thinking about making that. I appreciate the opportunity to share some ideas and wanted to make sure that I communicated some things today that I wish I knew uh, yeah. before I dove into this um, and I didn't. Uh, so <laughs> if I can help anyone, you know, more than happy to do that. Yeah, we only have a set amount of time here today, but for sure, Evan is is being true to his word. So if there is some type of advice or you want to pick his brain on this topic, uh, reach out. And of course, you can go over to joshdamper.com. You can find all the links to follow Evan uh, as far as his books. I'll have those available as far as links to get those too. Um, I know we talked about the 10-minute principle, but there's so many other resources that Evan has created that are extremely impactful. So definitely advise you to do that. And of course, if you're listening on a podcast player, but you want to see the video form, you'll be able to find that on my channel on YouTube, Joshua Stamper, or you can go over to the Teach Better team page as that community is growing every single day. And um, I just appreciate everyone, again, taking the time to listen or to watch as Evan is sharing about the differences between public and private school. And Evan, with that, I just, again, want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's extremely valuable. And uh, I just, again, appreciate not only what you're doing on this podcast, but in the world of education. Thanks, Josh. It's always good to be a part of Aspire to Lead and always great to have a conversation with you and wishing you and your team all best.